0: And welcome back to Radio Wasteland, the most exciting hour of radio ever.
1: Try to sound a little more sincere when you say that.
0: You know, I've I've been thinking about this, and uh, I get some sort of smart-ass comment from you every time I start this show. And I'm realizing that it comes from my own uh, negativity. But I have to say that I enjoy this show so much that by the time we get rolling here, I'm, I'm actually in a much better mood, but... Normally when I start this mood I'm you know, I'm coming in Valley Girl rolling my eyes and
1: Yeah, that's fair. You know, kind of uh Well today I'm walking in here feeling like I've just been fumigated because of the combination of heat and smoke. I'm just like I'm I'm barely conscious to be Oh honest. yeah, yeah.
0: Well um, for those of you in the you know, those of you that are local will know but those of you in the rest of the country, uh, Sean and I are currently sitting in well over 100 degree weather surrounded by forest fires, so it looks yeah. quite apocalyptic, and tomorrow is going to be, what, 116
1: degrees? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Far too hot, I think, is what the paper said. They yeah. didn't actually give a number. Yeah, they I
0: can't, you know. Stay indoors. Makes you wonder why we live
1: here. Well, it's cheap because no one else wants to live here. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Um,
0: you know, most, I would say that a lot of fans of the paranormal are fans of of um, the Twilight Zone. That's and true. whenever it's hot like this, it always makes me think of a specific episode of the Twilight Zone. I was telling our illustrious producer, Joe, about this earlier today. <laughs> And there's this episode of The Twilight Zone where the earth is slowly moving away from the sun. No, it's slowly moving towards the sun. Yeah, what I'll say. And everybody's cooking and mm-hmm. they're all going to die and this woman's a painter and her paintings are melting and this guy breaks in and he's going to kill her for water and so on and so forth. And then in the end, you know, they she she starts to come out of her fever dream and the the reality of the situation is that the earth is moving away from the sun. And that they're all gonna freeze to death, and due to the cold she's so sick that she's having this feverish dream about burning to death
1: hmm. I well, I guess that puts our town in some kind of perspective yeah I- yeah well when I told <laughs> when I told Joe about this, he's oh you're a weird dude, Charles <laughs> that's as any of our regular listeners will know. Fair. That it, well, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's all
0: relative, and seeing how I sit across the table from you, I think that puts me in a yeah, well, I mean, in a pretty good, <laughs> good light. All, you know, the normal one, Chauncey. The guy who talks about normal things, like Twilight Zone episodes.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if my full the full extent of my weirdness comes across on this show. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty straight-laced compared to what the actuality is when I'm on the airwaves. Yeah, so. you reel really it
0: in pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. But I don't. I I try. So uh, (laughs) let's see if we can highlight some of your weirdness. What new happened to you this week, Sean? Did you have something specific
1: in mind? No, no. I'm just going to riff off of whatever you say, (laughs) and we're going to see. Oh well, well that's unfortunate because I my mind just went totally blank. (laughs) I can't think of. So I can't even remember you. what <laughs> happened to me yesterday, now that you've asked me that question. All it would right, right, have all been right. interesting. Yeah, I can't I was locked outside of my house for a while because I was wandering around at 2 a.m. And then... I mean, I'm specifically looking for a weird example, but yes, oh, no, that, keep that, going. that this did is, happen. no, <laughs> <laughs> keep going. This well, is good. Keep going. This is it, good. Well, there's a mundane as- explanation. You see, it's hot in Reading, mm-hmm. so it only makes... So, yeah, I was wandering around my neighborhood, and I was also... Looking for a victim? Well, it's funny you should say that, because, I mean, I do get worried about wild animals and stuff at night, so I was carrying a a large knife as I walked around the woods at two in the morning. Um, Okay. But it it was for purposes of, you know, security and and feeling a little safer about it. Yeah, well, what's your
0: excuse for wearing the clown suit? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, next, next question. (laughs) All right. So, uh, we got guests as we tend to, our guest tonight is a a YouTube channel. One candle society. Cool name. It is a cool name. They got, they, they got some cool imagery going on on there and one candle society are basically general, um, paranormal researchers and they have a lot of, uh, cool videos, um, that cover a multitude of paranormal topics so we should be covering a multitude of paranormal topics that's right tonight we picked a couple few
1: yeah we did in order and i'm to excited stay on point. because several of them are are more cult which is i feel like where i like to be when it comes to paranormal topics
0: yeah they yeah. they're hard they're hard topics to get uh, quality guests for occult yeah, exactly. topics. You well, know.
1: yeah, you know, mostly we talk to ufologists on this lake because that is a huge community and that's who's out there.
0: It is a huge yeah. community and it doesn't take um, as many freaks and weirdos.
1: <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of natural quality control. Yeah, the occult, you know, like
0: if you're, you know, I'm You know, getting all freaky and, you know, summoning something, you know, you tend to be somebody who has, you know, maybe some social issues, a hard time paying the rent. Yeah. You know, stuff like that.
1: Well, I also have some funny stories about that, but I guess I won't get into it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can follow that up on the... uh...
0: (laughs) On the After Dark episode. Yeah. All right. You are listening to Radio Wasteland. And when we return, we have our guests, One Candle Society. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guests, One Candle Society. Do we got you guys there with us? Yeah, we're here. All right. How are you doing? Is this Marcus?
2: Yeah, this is Marcus B.
0: And uh, Vic is there also?
2: Yep, I'm
0: back here. All right, back here. (laughs) Actually, it sounded back there, so it's fitting. Uh, How are you guys doing? Uh, We're really excited to have you guys as guests on the show tonight. Uh, We've done our research and watched quite a few of your guys' videos. And uh, just to re-explain to our audience, One Candle Society is a YouTube channel that uh, really focuses on documentary-style and short-snippet-style uh, videos about the paranormal and mysteries. Is that correct?
2: That's pretty accurate, but we also do um, paranormal investigations as well.
0: Yeah, I was noticing that from one of your videos that uh, we're going to discuss later. But uh, first, uh, you know, how did you guys get uh, started in doing this?
2: Well, back in about 2014, um, a lot of our friends... We came together realizing that we had this real love of the paranormal, and there was all these places around Evansville, Southern Indiana, that that were allegedly haunted, and we were really interested. So we decided to make a paranormal group in order to actually start going out investigating. You know, very similar to a lot of people that uh, that get into paranormal investigating with their friends.
0: And so, and about how a year? And a... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh uh, well, I was uh, I... I was just saying like. So so you guys start your paranormal group, and and somewhere along the way, you guys made a hefty transition to making the videos.
2: Yeah, after a while, um, I've always really wanted to do something more in the information networking. So I asked uh, Marcus if he'd be willing to do a YouTube show with me, and that's how the whole thing got running. hmm
0: yeah, well, I'm I'm really kind of amazed at the amount of followers and the amount of views that you guys have on there compared to um, to a lot of your contemporaries. You know, it's it's. Oh really- yeah,
2: don't worry, do worry. Our wives are very surprised about the number of people that listen <laughs> to us talk too, so they they were equally shocked.
0: <laughs> they were equally shocked at your success. I'm not sure if that's a good sign for the marriage. although uh you know i think uh, my wife kind of looks at me every once in a while and goes i can't believe he actually pays the rent now (laughs) so um what was the very first video that you guys did oh that was our uh,
2: our shadow people video yeah we really wanted to to try to reach out to other people with something that we found was a very common paranormal experience that a lot of people have talked about. Uh, A lot of people, when you look at some of their first encounters with the paranormal, many people describe seeing shadow people at a very early age. So we thought that was a really great way uh, to kind of launch our YouTube channel. That's interesting. What we ended up with was about 45 minutes of straight awkwardness just you know, first video. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, right. We, we know about that. Oh, believe me. it's yeah, a lot of <laughs> stumbling in. So your guys' biggest video, without a doubt, is, by and large with views, is five creepy things said by astronauts. Is yeah, there a- uh, five chi-
2: five chilling things said by astronauts.
0: Yeah, and um, I am kind of a sucker for space. I'm a sucker for for um, sort of the realities of 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 space, you know the things that don't go too far outside of what we already know. Of course, you know I follow ufology and a lot of that stuff too. But but this one specifically piqued my interest, and in a lot of other people's too. Obviously, you have about a million and a half views on that one. Um, and so man, some of them really are quite freaky. You know <laughs> the the, um, ah. the the Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong one is probably the one that people will identify with the most, and, and that's that they're hearing that, uh, you know, back home here we're hearing them talk about seeing other people on the moon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, astronauts have always been kind of the center point, I think, in the ufology argument between, like, skeptics and believers. And you uh, know people always trying to say, like, what are they really seeing when they going up there? And, you know, they're always like, these are the most staunch believers in the UFOs to – these are the biggest shills for the government, you know. To you know, literally, people are just making up stuff that they said because these are iconic people that would, you know, you could, would believe that they would say some of these things. So it really spreads the. Uh, there's a real large gamble when it comes to, to to astronauts, what people think about them.
1: What were some of the things they said on that video? Because I, I think I'm one of the few people in the United States who who hasn't seen it. So might um, some probably. One of the ones that stuck out to me, I think, was probably the first one, which
2: was um, the first uh, the Chinese uh, astronaut um, that was in space kept talking about hearing a knocking sound in, inside a spaceship. I mean, you're not going to hear an outside, oh, but I mean, a knocking sound while he's up there. And I found that really chilling because uh, when you're up in space and, and you're typically there by yourself on some of the very <laughs> first missions for a lot of these people, probably nothing's going to be more chilling to you than hearing a tapping sound on the outside of your uh, spacecraft yeah, when that's like the there.
1: end of the first Alien movie, yeah. when it's not quite yeah. jettisoned <laughs> into space. That's yeah. horrifying. Well, there's something very urban legendy
0: about that, and I don't mean that it itself is an urban legend. I mean the sort of, like, hook claw across the top of the car, and, yeah. you know, the drips. And there's something very like, oh, my gosh, I'm alone, alone, and I'm hearing the knocking. <laughs> and the thing that I found really interesting about that is when I was hearing it, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe that's just a... You know, loose O ring or something banging on the side, but then uh, the video went on to say that the two consecutive missions had the same problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is uh, absolutely terrifying well, in space. No I one really can like hear the one screen.
2: with the uh, Russian astronauts reporting seeing the like massive angelic entities outside the spaceship, mm-hmm. like on fe- on separate missions. Oh. It, it, that was freaky.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's just something about that because it's easy to believe that these guys know something that we yeah. don't know and that they are – because, I mean, there is not a lot
1: of civilians, especially at the time. It's hard to discredit an astronaut.
0: Well, it's also mm-hmm. easy to believe that these people would keep their mouth shut to the deathbeds. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. You know, these are very, very government-loyal uh, – People, military, and and stuff like that. You so know? fertile ground for
1: conspiracies.
0: Yeah. So so, what do you think from from researching these uh, things? Do you think there's a something up there on the moon? Do I think, I think
2: there's any? Do I think is any, I think that there is likely uh, things that they have seen that's up there that they are not allowed to talk about, and I think that goes to the very end of what we talked about in that top five video. In that, if you think about it, if, if people really thought that there were aliens like up in space, I think it would cause a, probably a global panic.
0: This comes back to the sort of idea behind the Brookings report. Are you familiar? Oh with yeah. That? Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: But, oh yeah. these these guys are probably seeing something. And again, they're all they're all government employees that are probably picked who probably if they need to be quiet about something, that they would believe that they would be quiet about something.
0: Right, hmm. right, right. Well, I, I personally, we were talking about this earlier, and we knew this topic was going to come up, and, and we were talking um, that I find it hard to believe. You know, uh, a big topic in the paranormal and mysteries and, and such is the secret space program. And although I may not follow it to the extremes that some of these guys are saying, I find it hard to believe that our government wouldn't have some kind of secret space program. That there isn't some kind of activity going on up there that that is not of public knowledge.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it goes as far as what some people claim it is, but I almost guarantee, you, there's some projects going on up there that we don't know about. Mm. One of the the the. Uh the evidence that I would think, if you look at, like uh, the Russian government has its own special forces designed to fight in space. Really? Yeah, yeah. They train. They have specific soldiers that their training program is designed that they fight in space. Now, why is that the case? I have, I have no idea. I don't know what they're planning for. I don't know what made them feel this was necessary. Yeah, and there's that hacker who hacked into the, I think, it was the CIA database and came out with a list of non-terrestrial uh, officers.
0: Yeah, yeah, this was I actually was just hearing this on another radio show the other night. Um and they were talking about they found a list and all it said was like scheduled off world and there was like a hundred Navy men on it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But uh you know, off world could mean anything. It could mean secret space or it could mean, you know, you're living on on Marklar or something, you know. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. But uh Yeah, uh, I just love that stuff. I can go off and on about it forever, but unfortunately, you know, we got to pay the bills. And we're coming up on our first commercial break. And when we come back, we will have more of One Candle Society. So stick around to Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. And we are here with our guest, One Candle Society. All right, so our topic that we're going to be talking about here is... Black-Eyed Children, and I'm really kind of excited about this one because, frankly, I really know very little about it. Uh, probably the most of what I know about it is, is by watching your guys' video, and I thought it was really kind of interesting, the concepts of what they could possibly be. I'm personally uh, quite a horror movie fan, and Black-Eyed Children, um, that's why I've been interested, is is there was really a rash of of Black-Eyed Children movies through the late 2000s and then I found out that this is really something that people are citing. Can you tell us a little bit about this video?
2: So, Chauncey, knock, knock.
0: Uh, Who's there?
2: You can let me in. It's safe. I don't have a gun. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I caught that from the video. That was (laughs) freaking. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird.
2: That's what a lot of the experiences are like. You hear knocking on your door, or someone comes up and knocks on your car. It's some kid. They're usually wearing outdated clothes. You start to talk to them, but you feel like something just really isn't right about them. And as the conversation goes on, they get more and more forceful about you either letting them in or taking them somewhere. Then you notice their eyes are saw black, like full, no white, nothing else. And usually at that point, that's where they start to kind of do the subtle threatening. um, Like in one of the reports, the uh, kid goes, oh, it's, it's okay, you can let me in. I don't have a gun. And the guy took that to mean, I don't need a gun.
0: Right.
2: They're very, very strange reports, but also very, very fascinating.
0: Yeah, I was interested in the fact that in the video uh, you were talking about how they really these reports and these sightings didn't really start to hit anybody's, uh, you know, monitoring until what was it like the '90s, the late '90s? Yeah, yeah, early
2: '90s. It was around the. Uh, same time the Mortal Kombat movie came out, because if I remember right, that was a movie that was playing uh, during the encounter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Crazy. And so where where do most of these sightings happen? They happen scattered around. You've got some uh, mainly in
2: Anglo-Saxon countries, actually. Uh, you've got them in uh, England, Ireland. You've got them on both of the coasts of the U.S. Uh, moving mm-hmm. inwards. I've never found a sighting in Indiana, though, but they're in most states. Um, I know they've been sighted in Texas, California, Washington, Illinois. About most of the states have had at least one sighting, if not multiple, but most commonly um, on the east and west coast here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to bring this up, but we actually have a quasi black eyed children sighting pretty much in the area right where we are. Bernie. What, really? Yeah, well, Bernie, which is a few hours out um, from Reading here, is has what's called Black Ranch Road, which um, is reputed to be haunted by a uh, child with pitch-black eyes who appears to drunk drivers and tries to get them to run off the road. Now, it's a little different than the sightings you were talking about, because it's, you know, it's not the knock-knock, try and, Get them to do something, sort of thing. It's more of a sighting out of the side of the window, but all of the the um, the sightings we've had around here are are pretty emphatic. This child has, you know, soulless black eyes.
0: So, yeah, you got to be a little less subtle when you are trying to get a drunk's attention. I <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I I think so. Um, and and as I was saying, this wasn't specifically black-eyed children. Um, people say, oh, it's the ghost of a child who was killed by a drunk driver or whatever. But it's a child, it's creepy, it's got black eyes. So yeah, I feel well, like that qualifies. <laughs> you know, that,
0: that prompts the, the question is, what exactly are black-eyed children? I mean, do, exactly. do we know mm-hmm. or do we have any suspicions as to what they might be?
2: It, 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 it really runs the gambit. When we made our documentary, we kind of found that there are a lot of different things that kind of fit the category of black-eyed kids. The whole concept of them not being allowed into your car and your house, uh, fit very in kind of like a vampire kind of genre hmm. of, uh, of what they, of what they could be. Or, you know, you're getting this deep sense of a predator, uh, feeling about them. Um, I know that you're really into, into UFOs. Uh, one of the things that not a lot of people know, uh, about Black Eyed Kids is they actually share a very, very uh, similar description, uh, to many, uh, abductee stories. Uh, involving uh, whenever people claim that they've been abducted and they've been in rooms, and one of the things that they've seen in the room are these young children with large black eyes.
0: Yeah, and they're so suspecting that they're uh, they're suspecting they're hybrids. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that's a a, a large uh, a large number of people were were, were talking about about these. Uh, back in the day, of seeing these things, and now that they're you know here, you know people are encountering them, you know down here on Earth, you know a lot of people are thinking that you know that they're aliens, walk, alien hybrids walking walking
0: around. So, what do most people lean towards when when like a you know every every paranormal topic has their circle of of people who who frequent that topic? Um, what uh, are people sort of leaning towards as thinking the black eyed children are?
2: Demons, because most people think everything's a demon.
0: Yeah, I, I feel you there. He uh, I mean, literally, I mean,
2: if you did like a family feud of paranormal investigators, you're like, show me demon,
0: right? Literally, <laughs> like, number one, <laughs> so
2: dang, you know, you just did a safe answer.
0: Yeah, you even got our producer laughing on that one. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, I assume that you don't think they're demons. So what do you think they are? And and I realize that when I say think, I'm I'm going for your theory that that you're probably going to say well you're really not sure but our, what's your theory
2: our leading theory is actually that it's connected to the shadow people phenomena that it involves mm. degrees of possession because shadow people often try to wear you down over time and we're and there's a lot of connections between them uh, particularly with there's even very rarely reported white-eyed kids and there's also very rarely reported white shadow people so mm. our theory is although we don't have like, a, we're, it's something that we're still working on. We're going to talk a lot about that in Season 3 of our channel. But we think that there's some sort of connection between the two, and we're looking forward to kind of examining into that.
0: So the thought is maybe that um, the black-eyed children are transitional or have been taken by the shadow people?
2: Yeah, and we think it also might be part of a process where the shadow person wears down this child and the shadow person possesses the child. And we're thinking, we're currently working on a theory involving that uh, the inviting them in might be more of a metaphor, allowing them to start to move on to stronger uh, stronger bodies.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. So, um, so the idea that is that it, the child is is more susceptible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. One of the things that we, we talked about in the documentary that we made is we, we saw some um, shadow people a lot of times uh, sightings of of shadow people are often made by people that are often disenfranchised, people that are more, you know, uh, economically impoverished, people that are often abusing drugs, people that are in domestic violence situations, like, you know, children that are abused often. And And one of the things that we notice about children, the black-eyed kids, is they're always being described as having outdated clothes. Well, a lot of disenfranchised youth, which there's hundreds of thousands that go missing, you know, you know, worldwide. You know, most disenfranchised youth often wear outdated clothes because you're having to go to secondhand shops, yeah. which might explain why that why they're always wearing uh, outdated clothes.
0: So it seems like the parallel you're making here, um, although not sexual in nature, would be like a sexual predator, basically preying on somebody who was susceptible, maybe somebody who uh, had less people who would care, Um, somebody who was more susceptible to being taken advantage of? Is that kind of the implication? Yeah, if you look at
2: the uh, the process that a shadow person goes through when first encountering someone, it's like they're trying to break them down, and then they're trying to make them reliant on them. It's very much a predatory process. It's the sort of thing you see in social work all the time.
0: So... We've gone over the theories of what we think black-eyed children might be. So, what do we think shadow people might be? Show me demon. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'm aware that a well, lot, lot could, of people I think could, this, resist. but uh what do you? You know, what do you think? Do you? Because I don't know. I I kind of think that if there are demons, it's probably a little more of a. Maybe a trans dimensional sort of thing then uh, than, uh than Well a, a lot of one. people
1: use the word demon outside of a Christian context, you know. They they might just need negative entities from Whatever. What kind well, first, don't, don't get us
2: wrong. We're we're very open to the idea of demons existing. We just think the term that's thrown around way, way too much, mm-hmm.
0: um, right? And, and it's a little that everyone too everyone
2: immediately jumps to it.
0: Yeah, and it's a little too much of a blanket term that yeah. that yeah, that broad. people can fall back on and be all, well, it's demons. Okay, we're done with that one, <laughs> you know and. When really it probably takes a longer look in order for us to figure it out. Well, we're coming up on our final commercial break. You are listening to Radio Wasteland with our guest, One Candle Society. We will be right back. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, One Candle Society. We are talking about shadow people. Um, You know, shadow people, uh, in the little bit of research that I had done on it um, way prior to this uh, show... I have heard that there's a lot of association with um, sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. And that's why I kind of had my interest peaked in the topic is because I've actually had sleep paralysis. I I didn't have any shadow shadow people, but it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I've had sleep paralysis before, but no shadow people when I had it. Yeah. um, So shadow people, you know, we think – so the assumption is that they are – trans-dimensional sort of demonic sort of spirit entity, right? But we're still working on our exact
2: theory. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely believe that it's, it's likely something that people would perceive as being spiritual. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I see. But
2: but uh, I, I think they're associated with sleep paralysis. I think they're intentionally looking for us in vulnerable states. I'm not sure if they're inducing it or if they're drawn to it trying to feed off I I don't know if you, you get this when you had sleep paralysis, but uh, I found it to be a very terrifying and painful experience. I'm almost wondering if they're just picking up on that and coming to feed off the ambient emotion.
0: Yeah, yeah. My, or if they're actually losing it. When, when I learned that it was associated with sleep paralysis, it sent my uh, imagination going, and my imagination landed on that there was some sort of possession thing going on, and that it had woken up part of the person's mind who was trying to keep it from happening, but the body was still just not awake, you know, and so uh it was like a thwarted attempt at uh at possession but um and see we've we've heard a lot of stories along those lines mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people are
2: trying to force themselves awake in that in that sort of situation mm hmm so, a lot of people have actually bought off a um, situation along those lines by grounding themselves in faith, saying that uh, they were in pain, they couldn't move, so the only thing they could think to do is start reciting the Lord's Prayer, and that gave them the grounding to find their way out of it.
0: Right, and that seems to be a, the go-to for a lot of the things that people associate with with demons. And and my, uh, I personally am not um, any kind of religious at all. Um, and so I tend to look at it like uh, it gives the person strength to fight their own battle. You know, it helps them. Their faith gives them the strength and confidence to fight off whatever yeah, almost, is attacking almost, them. Yeah,
2: almost every story involving a shadow person, a lot of times the person really in the end does something to try to make them feel safe. Like there's always this drive, in, you know, of trying to make yourself more safe, you know, whenever whenever they're around. Right.
0: So, um, what about sightings of shadow people? Do they tend to run somewhat hand-in-hand with the black-eyed children?
2: They uh, they can, uh, a lot of times. One of the things that we talk a lot about shadow people is they tend to piggyback on a lot of other paranormal activity in the area. Um, When you look at uh, reported sightings of places that are supposedly haunted uh, with ghosts, a lot of times people talk about seeing shadow people. Um, even with uh, even with alien encounters, when people have encountered uh, greys or things like that, sometimes there's there are lingering signs of shadow people, and even uh, the occasional encounter with men in black, people citing shadow people after them.
0: So maybe they're just <laughs> yeah, there are <laughs> right stalker watchers and followers of all things. Well, I mean, this would maybe come back to the fear factor because you know everything. That, that we just talked about there.
1: Um, it's terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's potentially <laughs> terrifying to a person. And so there might be some sort of feeding off of fear. It seems to me like, you know, my issue with the feeding off of fear attitude has always been that it's a little too. It's very human centric. Yeah, it is very human centric. Like the idea that that we are somewhat food based off of. I don't know. It it well, just seems a little bit
1: convenient, I guess. But we can look at it also
2: on a biological level. Mm-hmm. If they're feeding off um ambient energy, when a human is in a state of fear, all their uh vitals start to skyrocket and we're producing actually more producing and radiating more energy during that time. And it's also something that they could also do to animals in theory as well, but um mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm just saying someone could make that argument.
0: I see. And, so, and, no, and a lot sense. of times
2: with shadow, we talked we talked in our documentary about shadow people being able to, to find people predisposed for possibly being able to, to be induced to have this much fear. Because um, yeah. humans actually do it themselves, too. We talked about a study in which um, women who were involved with uh, horrible instances of domestic violence were put in a room with their kids, with a bunch of other women that hadn't been their kids playing. And they can bring men that were horrible, um, that committed horrible acts of domestic violence on a, on a two-way mirror, and they could pick out in the room which woman had had, like, a history of domestic violence, just on their behavior, how they looked, or the vibe that they were getting off, like, hmm. like in the 90 percentile.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I definitely believe that that those
1: capabilities are out there. So uh, yeah.
0: that makes sense to me.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was what we were saying earlier. It's just they're looking for someone vulnerable to possess or what or what have you. And it's it might not necessarily be a fear as sustenance thing, but I oh look a terrified person. Let's our work's half done.
0: Right, and mm-hmm. and before we run out of time here, what about the um, the white shadow people?
2: Well, it's hard to make a strong statement. We have such a small pool of reports. We've actually uh, been trying to get our fans to gather up as many reports as they heard about them and just send it to us because there's just so few encounters with them. Although people don't generally feel afraid of them, they almost feel empowered by them, almost like they do a secure sense. And they go out of their way in the stories to say that they are not afraid. Like, they'll capitalize this part in a story. Like, we were not afraid of this. That's, that's one of the weird things about those stories. Huh. It's almost like brainwashing.
0: Hmm. All right. So, so you guys have talked about we're coming up on the end of the show here, so I want to make sure that our uh, listeners know where to find out more about you guys and where to watch a lot of these great videos. Um, where can people find out more about you? Um, well, we have our big
2: YouTube channel. It's the best place to find all That's where all of our content is. One Candle Society. Um, they can also check out, we're all on social media, uh, One Candle Society on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always go on any of our social medias to hear about what our upcoming topics are going to be, our day-to-day stuff, and, and give us suggestions on what videos that, that people want to see us do. Although right now we're taking a break as we're preparing for Season 3, which is going to start in October. So make sure everybody gets subscribed and start following
0: all right, and season three—what, uh, what, any? Uh, can you give us any clues about what we might uh, expect in season three?
2: Well, we're definitely going to be revisiting the shadow people connection with Black Eyed Kids, but for the most part, we're also going to try to expose people to a lot of subjects they have just never heard of. We might—I'm hoping to try to convince Vic that maybe we tackle Bigfoot. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting there. De- but definitely more. Uh, definitely, more. we've heard a lot of people wanting more UFO stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. We've gotten that request for that a lot. So they're going to be seeing definitely more UFO stuff in season three.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, thank you guys very much for being on the show. You've been listening to Radio Wasteland with our guest One Candle Society. Check them out. Search them on YouTube. They shouldn't be too hard to find. Thanks for checking us out. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. You've been listening to our guest One Candle Society. Uh. You know, Sean, it's nice having a guest on that's kind of like us. You know, um, a lot of the guests that we have are very specified.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, It's interesting because at this point, I feel like I could, if I was on someone else's show, I could talk for a really long time about stories that we've had from this show. So it's nice to interview hosts because they're the aggregators of all these amazing stories across all of these different topics.
0: Yeah and it it's interesting that um you know how much of us there must be out there you know because I've talked before about how some of the guests that we have like Ryan Sprague, mm-hmm. you know and and they're very specific on their topic he's is, he is definitely a a fact-based uh, UFO researcher and then exactly. and then I I equated us um to kind of being a little more on the entertainment side where where or or journalistic entertainment side where where we bring the topics, and, and how many of us, people like us, people who just enjoy all of these fantastic topics, must be out there? And really, yeah. what is the draw? Why are we so drawn to this? Because it's totally possible that none of this exists.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I... I feel like I lean more towards the none-of-this-exists camp Dude. more often than, than not, honestly. But um, these are stories that are inherently interesting. I mean, let's talk about, like, shadow people and black-eyed children. There is drama and fear and <laughs> suspense just baked into the concept, you right? Know? And you've got it combined with the ambiguity of, oh, well tons of people have said they've seen it but also it's patently ridiculous so is it real is it not it it's kind of honestly i'm i'm iffy on the existence of shadow people like cuz I, I know a lot of people who have actually seen them but um
0: nobody credible
1: i don't know any credible people i'm credible uh, well all right never mind <laughs> i don't want to know it. <laughs> yeah
0: um I don't know. It's like I can't tell if because I am very pragmatic. Right. And you know a lot of a lot of me wants to say like, well, you know, show me the show me the proof, but I don't know if I just want to believe these things so badly.
1: Well, well, I I think that's most of of what it is and I think that's most of what drives the interest. Um then again, you know, probably our two biggest topics, UFOs and ghosts. You know, there is so much out there on that you know people people want to believe sure but there's also a, a huge body of compelling evidence that ought to be examined i think on yeah. on those two topics and and for me shadow people is not as well known but it ranks third for me in terms of plausibility of strange supernatural things hmm.
0: You know, uh, I, I often think when I'm thinking about these things, like, are we hardwired to fear and suspect about the unknown? Is this, you know, because we know that. Yeah. That, you know, well, here's a little factoid for you
1: that maybe people don't know. Do you know what a meme is? Sure. it's uh, It's basically an idea that is self-replicating. Well, the, the
0: sociological description of what a meme is, is, is um, information that's passed on through non-genetic non-gen- terms. You know, so right. it's basically a story, you know. And the term got picked up for, uh, you know, interesting sloth photos online. <laughs> but uh, really, this, this term was a sociological term for basically the way we shared knowledge throughout most of our history. Yeah. You know, through storytelling and... And I think it's fair to say that that speculative, scary stories have been going on since probably before humans were human.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and and definitely, you know, we don't know anything about human beliefs really before writing, which was you know five thousand years ago. Right, but there there was a long period of time in which humans had culture and were burying their dead and had beliefs mm-hmm. that we know a tiny little bit about just because of of linguistics but essentially we we don't know much about that so so most of the history of human imagination is lost to us
0: yeah well you know maybe that's maybe that's a good segue into our uh, <laughs> yeah the story that uh, you know so at <laughs> at the end of our show we like to have Sean bring us a topic, something in the news to discuss, and yeah, what do you have for us? something in the last
1: week. So the National Museum of <laughs> Chinese Writing is offering an $18,000 reward, which honestly to me seems kind of low, for anyone who can, <laughs> who can translate any of these oracle bones.
0: And what are oracle
1: bones? Oracle bones are the... Scapula of a cow or the shell of a turtle or sometimes other types of bones that have characters inscribed on them um, and then are are used in a form of pyromancy to, to tell the future. Um, and they are noteworthy in academic circles because they are the first recorded form of writing in
0: uh, China. So... How old are we talking
1: uh sixteen hundred b c at, at the at the outside oh, so wow. there there is older writing in the world yeah oh, of course we know course. that but in china that that's the oldest, and obviously we haven't translated all of them you know it's It's not like 1600 BC Chinese is the same as as modern Chinese, and there were lots of different subgroups and all that kind of thing. So we're still trying to figure out what they all mean.
0: Well, I think this is a prime example of our obsession, of our historical obsession with the occult and with the unexplained and with the paranormal, is that we are looking at the world's first dictionary. We're looking at oracle bones. We're basically looking at...
1: exactly. You know, at a
0: I, dice set for telling a future,
1: right? I was at the British Museum once. Some of the oldest um, writing they had there, spells written on clay tablets from Mesopotamia. Right. You know, it writing initially, we think, began as a spiritual exercise right. with magical and spiritual associations.
0: Well, even in the case of the Bible, we know that that most of the spread of... Of the Bible and written word at the time, at least throughout Europe, was done by monks hand-duplicating exactly. the Bible yeah. and then sending these copies out into the world,
1: you know? Um, yeah, it was secret knowledge that was seen as magical right. by by the common folk. Um and, Go ahead. Yeah, but these bones, we do know how they were used. They were used to see the future. It's not a case of, oh, it's writing, so it must be magical. Um, They used it to to tell the fortunes of people in the royal families and to guess how crops would go. They even used it to improve their own divination skills. Right. Basically, what they do is they write down what they wanted to know and uh, a couple of other little tidbits of information on the bone, toss it into a fire and it would crack in the fire in uh, ways that would be interpreted by augurers essentially augurers <laughs> or soothsayers or, or or whatever you want to right, right. to call them the specialists in in telling what what that means so yeah. when i i say pyromancy like <laughs> today in pop culture, we have the idea of pyromancy as, like, throwing fireballs or whatever, but no, it just means divination by fire. Right, right. So, so that's what they were doing.
0: Yeah, I would definitely like to see, you know, a a world where we learned more about this stuff, but really, are we ever really going to be able to know? Definitely one of my favorite topics to hear about and to learn about is ancient civilizations. Mm -hmm. And ancient civilization in general. I really enjoy our own ancient civilization that we're figuring out, but I really enjoy the, the idea of prehistory and and what's back there. And and yeah. these comparisons, you know, are, are really quite amazing because every time, you know, as time goes on, we're constantly saying, oh, well, it's a little further back. Oh, well, it's a little further back. Yeah. And when we say a little further, we're talking like 10,000 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not sure we even know what the oldest, sophisticated civilizations are that we're talking about. I mean, we know hunter-gatherer societies, which are incredibly old, had beliefs. Right. Know, they they had a rich imaginative life. They they were intelligent. You know, they were just as intelligent as we are, give or take a little bit of brain damage from malnourishment.
0: So this Chinese writing is it. <clears throat> I agree with you. It doesn't seem like a huge amount of money. Yeah. Um, What is, do they seem like it's likely that somebody out there is going to be able to figure this
1: out? Well, people do crack codes all the time in terms of, you know, taking a cryptological approach. um, And I I think that's what they're looking for here. Uh, there, There are many examples in pop culture of... Of strange codes, strange writing that people are just like, okay, anyone who can figure this out from, like, an information theory standpoint, please do. Like the Voynich Manuscript. Uh, which is just I think this Dark Age Times book that is just filled with strange writing that no one understands. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, that leads me to believe that maybe some of the characters there we do know. Right. When I was younger, I had the the luck of actually seeing the rosetta
1: stone yeah which
0: was definitely an eye-opening experience also for me
1: the british museum
0: yeah uh, that's where i saw it <laughs> yeah um it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me
1: um eye-opening experience for the entire field of archaeology <laughs> yeah absolutely all right yeah. well
0: you've been listening to radio wasteland our guest tonight was one candle society if you'd like to know more about them check them out search them on youtube one candle society They got tons of great videos, totally worth checking out, and a lot of fun. See you later.